Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? It's your friendly neighborhood, Knucklehead, and this is the Part-Time Artist Podcast, and this is episode 156. We are rolling. And before we get into this episode today, which is going to be very, very cool, um, there's a few things I want to shout out. Uh, Number one, if you're in the Philadelphia area, I'm going to be doing uh, another Tarkin Rec Center art gallery night and that's going to be this tuesday may 2nd uh so i'm just going to be playing some acoustic tunes we're going to check out some local artists and uh you can meet my dad if you are so inclined (laughs) showcasing his paintings and stuff like that um second thing i want to shout out is i spent this whole month like indulging in content creating and doing a lot of stuff on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. So if you haven't kept up with that at all, I urge you guys to check that out, especially YouTube, because I've been able to go a little bit more in depth other than the, you know, the 59 second or under uh, pieces of video. Um, And then lastly, um, I've been sporadically firing up my Twitch stream. And of course, on my Twitch stream, I play all tunes from the podcast, all songs that I pretty much bought on Bandcamp or um, have on Bandcamp from buying tapes or whatever. So, um, yeah, if you want to shoot me some tunes and you want me to broadcast it and stuff like that while I hang out, play games, and interact with y'all on Twitch, uh, go ahead and uh, find my Twitch on my link tree and stuff like that. Last update I want to tell you is this Friday is Bandcamp Friday, and that is May 4th. So that's the Star Wars Day. So you have no excuse to forget this time, okay? It's Star Wars Day. It's Bandcamp Friday. Get your tunes in your cart and save them for this upcoming Friday. All right. With all that being said, uh, one of the first artists that you should probably load into that Bandcamp cart is the artist that I have with me today, all the way from Ontario, Canada. We have Jess. Jess, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> thanks for having me here, Roger. I'm really excited to be here. And now you have a gig coming up too, right? I do in Toronto um, at the Painted Lady on May 11th. It's myself with uh, the artist Baby O and Megan Aversa. It's going to be a really awesome, fun time. The Painted Lady. Interesting. What part of the lady do you think is painted? Is it head to toe? Whole thing? Whole thing. (laughs) Whole thing. I'll say whole thing. (laughs) What's so so weird, and this is kind of how life has been working for me, like, um, I got some sort of notification that, like, a few years back, I played a, a show with this band called the Anti-Queens, who are also from, like, the Toronto area. So it was a really big, like, synchronistic moment that I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to be talking to another chick from Ontario. Wow, this is pretty rad. So shout out to the Anti-Queens and all the other uh, artists in the Ontario music scene. Um, so, Jess, do you consider yourself a part-time artist? I absolutely do. I have the day job and everything, but by night I'm just full-fledged, ready to go out on the stage. (laughs) Now, one of the first things I noticed about you and your stuff when we first started um, communicating was it looks like you have a massive work ethic. And that's what drew me to you immediately, just about the things that you were saying. And visually, when I was looking at your Bandcamp and your website, it looks like you're all about it. So 
I wanted to know for your top three, I want to, I want your top three motivators. What are the top three things that you motivate yourself with? If you can recall. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, first I want to say thank you for complimenting my work ethic. That really means a lot to me. Um, but yeah, to give a top three, I think it's just the urge yeah number one would probably just be the urge to be creative so often and to like Mm -hmm. actually just get those ideas out there um Mm. and i think that ties into making something that feels like i've covered all the corners of how to maximize you know whatever it is i'm putting out there in the world so for example like if Mm -hmm. being an artist well i don't just want you know the social media profiles i want to have the website i want to have the this and that of everything else and then i think the third thing that maybe motivates me is really just the rewards that come with it like you know the more that I create and put myself out there and promote where I can you know just doing whatever I can within the time that I've got if I can get if it's a gig out of that um, a stream out of that what have you then that to me is saying okay I'm doing this and I'm getting rewarded for it Mm -hmm. and it's the thing that I love to do and it's going to only continue to motivate me to keep going on it even if no one was listening, I'd still do it. But it's just that kind of extra cherry on top that feels really good. Mm. So it's so important to have like a mindset like that. And, and, and it's so important to hear someone with a mindset. And that's why I wanted to ask you about that specifically, because there are some times where I just lose my motivation completely. And I love having this podcast because to be able to talk to people like you, it just like it picks me right back up and back into the... Uh, creative spirit and you kind of answered my next question but I still kind of want to ask it again what what do you feel like your favorite part is with all that being said what's your favorite part about being the artist that you are I think just in everything I do whether it's in like my own creations or if I'm say with a band or helping someone out it's just all the variety of opportunities and experiences Mm. Um, that I can be a part of, um, like, you know, for my own stuff, it's me saying, okay, this is me and me only, unless if I, you know, choose to say, ask someone for an opinion, but I can just say, I can put my full self into this. If it's me in my band, it's me and, you know, three of some of my favorite people who were all coming together to create something that we feel is really special. Or if it's me, you know, helping a friend out to, you know, play, fill in for their, you know, bassist or guitarist or what have you for the night. It's me getting oh, to be wow. a part of that. And just, just that type of thing where I love just having a variety of experiences at my fingertips. Mm. And I'm very fortunate to know so many people who have given me the chances to be a part of different things. So it really does come down to, I think, the variety as a whole. So you're just kind of down to be involved, huh? You're just like Absolutely. on the sidelines, like, put me in, coach. I'm ready to... <laughs> I'm ready to play for your band or whatever. Absolutely. Like, and of course I do, um, you know, obviously have my boundaries and balances where I know, okay, I can't do too, too much all at once, but anything that I am. Yeah. Yeah. Like anything that I am able to put my time into and something that I do genuinely believe in, like I'm, I'm always game for it. And it's always, it's always such a fun time for me. What? So this is, this is such an incredible thing to to recognize, and I am so awful with this, but with your boundaries, how do you, like, what do you feel or how do you really know that something might be too much? So I think a lot of that comes from 
having to learn it the hard way in the past. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> truthfully. And yeah. And really I've and I've been my own worst enemy in those situations where, you know, you just heard me say I'm so excited to be a part of stuff. And yeah. unfortunately in the past it's been I've gotten a little bit in over my head on things where, you know, I've been genuinely into it and wanting to do what I can for it, but then realizing like, oh shit, like, you know, all these <laughs> other things pile up in life and yes. maybe I didn't do my best. So it is it is really just me a lot of the time having to stop and think, okay, I want to do this. Let me sit on it for, you know, mm-hmm. insert reasonable amount of time here and then get back to <laughs> the person and say, okay, yeah, I'm good to good to go on this. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Again, it's, and, and I think a lot of that too, um, I can tell that for you to have that kind of um, outlook that also to me shows that you have probably a good group of people around you Um, because to learn things the hard way like that, sometimes you can lose friends with it. So the fact that you still have opportunities and you're still eager and you still have that excitement, that means that you haven't had some existential, terrible burge, uh, no bridge, bridge, bridge burning <laughs> episodes and things like that, like traumatic things, right? Like it's kind of been, uh, is that, is Canada or Canada, but is Ontario or your local scene, is it like super supportive in that way? Yeah. Like with the people that of course I've become friends with over time. Um, yeah, like everyone's been great. Um, cool. like I said, I've been mostly kind of mostly doing my own thing. Um, like there's been a few times here and there where, yeah, I filled in for someone. It's definitely not a super frequent thing, but it does make me feel good to know that someone does feel like, Hey, like I can call on Jess and depend on her to get this job done. And they also trust me to know that if I can't do it, then I'll let them know and be honest instead of dicking them around for time. (laughs) (laughs) Rad. So uh, let's get into a tune from your album. Your album is called Moonlight Arcade Delight. Um, Is there, where did this album title come from exactly? So so full transparency, it took me a long time to come up with a title, like days before I announced it long. But but really where it came from is, you know, after really thinking about it was just... um, so the kind of break it down the moonlight i feel like this album to me is a nighttime album Mm. um that's the way that i think of a lot of music daytime nighttime so that's how i chose this one arcade for me this one just feels like kind of speaking to all the tracks on the album there's everything's kind of you know pretty fun to an extent but there's also a variety it's like an arcade you know not every game's going to be a shoot 'em up Mm. not every game's going to be a racing game but you still get that fun and variety and delight I just think it's a bunch of delights personally. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, um, when I look at your band camp here, it is like dark, but then it, it, it is dark, but it has these profound colors too. So there is that like paradox of darkness and light. So I'm really, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I urge people to check this band camp out and, and really get the full album and really listen to it. But we're going to get into a tune right here. This is the second tune on the record. It's called My Machine. Check it out.
All right, that tune was called My Machine, and the record is Moonlight Arcade Delight by Jess Rovita, and it's jessrovita.bandcamp.com, J-E-S-S-R-O-V-E-D-A.bandcamp.com, and it's also jessrovita.com if you want to see some more cool stuff and uh, subscribe to the email list and stuff like that, especially if you are in the Ontario area. Just you play out of your little circle at all? Yeah. I So right now I'm in um, a smaller city in northern Ontario. Mm. And Toronto being in southern Ontario, um, I really do travel between um, okay. quite often. So right now I am just within within the region, but I would like to <laughs> branch out a bit more. Um, it's, it's just kind of interesting because really... <laughs> performing as a solo artist has only been within like the the last couple of years um because i've been in bands you know since i was 13 years old i'm gonna be wow. 27 this year so holy shit yeah so i feel like i've had i've had like the experience this whole time but taking that and then kind of going into a whole solo role has been so different for me in terms of perspectives and opportunities where i can say you know in mm-hmm. a band oh i've done this this and this whereas as a solo artist i feel a bit green in a way Mm. like yeah like not necessarily in an imposter syndrome kind of way but in a Mm -hmm. it's 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 like you're a totally new for lack of a better word product okay okay yeah interesting so you're so it's like hmm wow so you're like really feeling it out but that is like wow that's almost half your life playing like music like that or more than half your life maybe i don't even know at this point but it's it's kind of remarkable to be able to i guess i'm i'm dumbfounded by that statement i i was at a loss for words um <laughs> but um <laughs> but with these tunes i i like the aspect uh that you were talking about with the arcade aspect and i think a lot i think that's kind of the two sides of music right there's always artists that that figure out their thing right and then every record is going to be like a different flavor of the same dish right you're gonna get like more or less a similar record every time and then there's other kinds of artists that really want to push boundaries and really want to try to do something different each record and then there's the people that combine both right and then their fans are never happy with them right they, they get both sides of hate instead of both sides of love um and i i think that's fascinating to have that outlook especially with like your first record like all right i want to put i want every song to have a uniqueness to it um and i think uh those of us out there that are fans of war park um we're working on our wrapping up our record right now. And it's kind of in the same vein where like, but even more so where it's kind of like every song is a different genre. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's uh, somewhat of where I feel like the future of music is a little bit like, it's going to be a lot more genre blending stuff. Um, And when I listen to your tunes, it's like, I really get, there are some times where I get visuals like, 
I'm watching a 90s movie about like a road trip, you know, like somebody's crossing <laughs> country and I can just see your song playing like Dumb and Dumber when they're driving the car. <laughs> through the high- <laughs> did you ever did you ever get like visuals like that? Or are you just so involved with the music that, you know, it's, I guess, o- even old to you at this point? Um, no, I'm definitely like a visual person in that sense too, where sometimes like, you know, in in my mind, if I had like the unlimited funds, they'd probably all have their own music videos. Like they're going to look like this, this and this. Um, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And I think that kind of comes into play a lot into my own process. Um, you know, Mm. let's say I have, um, I don't know, a riff idea, for example, or maybe just so much of a demo. A lot of times I'll say to myself, okay, like, what am I seeing in my head with this? What is this reminding me of, um, visually speaking? And mm. that can kind of help concoct the the full recipe, if you will, at times. Um, it's it's um it's definitely a lot easier for me to come up with instrumentation than it is with lyrics, but at least I find that sometimes I can use the what do I see aspect mm-hmm. of it to complete the lyrics that go along. Mm. So that's interesting. You said the instrumentation is easier. So what what was your process without without like at risk of this sounding like a life story question but what was your process of learning all that you know as a musician and songwriter right now because a lot of what i'm looking at looks like you're doing everything and again this is what i was talking about with the work ethic i was like wow uh this person looks like they're doing everything so where does it kind of start for you like did you start playing guitar or what was the path to become the songwriter and musician that you are today yeah so maybe just to try to give the the shortest version possible (laughs) um i started playing piano actually when i was like four or five years old wow okay um so yeah so that was way way back then um but i didn't really get into music as like a main interest until i was about 10 and that's when I started playing guitar. Um, but I also, even though I really, really love playing guitar and obviously still do to this day, I always believe it not really wanted to be a bassist first. And when I was 13, um, I had just turned 13. I got some birthday money and I was at a pawn shop one day and I saw one that was like a hundred bucks. I was like, you know, I might wow. as well go for it. So the OG yeah, pawn so shop, they have pawn shops they, in Canada. What the fuck? Oh, they sure love them all. <laughs> I always but, knew yeah, that so, when I started seeing pawn shops, I was like, all right, uh, lock the cars, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> we're in an area where we could get robbed if there's pawn shops. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. You'll either get robbed or see me there or both. Maybe I'm the one robbing you. Who so knows? You're 10 years old in a pawn shop. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah. Well, in this, in this story, I was 13 in the pawn shop. Um, in pawn yeah. shop. That's hilarious. Fresh, yeah. Freshly 13. I, like this is the story i bought the bass took it home you know just started you know learning the technique of it of course knowing how to play guitar already helped but it's a whole different mm-hmm. beast uh, of an yeah. instrument so i came to really like it and at the time i just i always really really wanted to be in bands and just play with other people so like yes. a week later i went on like the local kijiji which is like canada's craigslist essentially what? and everyone yeah no rad. one was looking for guitarists but everyone's looking for a bassist so like i found an ad of like around my age i was like hey i play bass uh can i join and like next thing you know i'm in my first band at 13 at 13 yeah. so at 13 you were in pawn shops 
and then you were on Canada's Craigslist to get in a band. It's a miracle you weren't abducted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. And and I've been. Um, I'm obviously not. I'm not in that band anymore. I was more in high school, but I'm still friends with them all. And a matter of fact, mm-hmm. the drummer in that band, he's going to be drumming for me for the May 11th show. Woo! So like, it's just wonderful to still like have you know people from back then in my life still to play music with never let go of a drummer never mm-hmm. let no. go of a drummer if someone's willing to play drums with you you know buy them dinner you know do everything <laughs> yeah. you can to keep that drummer around yeah and it's so, so funny that you mentioned that because when i was looking to you know just find a backing band for my solo stuff for shows i was like you know making a list of people i know potentials and the mm-hmm. list of drummers was actually like surprisingly the longest between guitarists and bassists. I oh, don't know how that happened, but here. if you're looking for a drummer, come see me, I guess, because Fuck. I'm hoarding them all. Fuck. I got to go to Canada. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All the drummers went to Canada. That's why there's none in Philly. Um, <laughs> so, but it, with that being said, you still, um, for the majority of this record, it looks like it was still kind of you in your room, right? And and even with the drums, it was like we did drum machines. We even at one point, I guess, gearing, was this gearing up towards the recording process? We even indulged in like vocal lessons and like really grinded out some, some uh, yeah. you know, techniques. Exactly that. Because so this is like, it's my third release. Like I had two EPs that came out previously. Mm -hmm. And those were like, I don't want to, like say this to diminish them. But in a way, like at the time, even I saw them kind of as trial trial runs to be like, let's see what I can do on my own with a solo project. And, um, you know, and I still like them to this day. But of course, I was like, okay, what needs to improve here? And for both of them, my biggest thing was my voice, because I wasn't really a singer like I was just you know an instrumentalist so mm-hmm. I was like okay if I want the next record to sound like how I want it to sound I'm gonna need to take some voice lessons so I did that I signed up um I really took the time to you know practice my techniques get to know how to do things properly how to kind of sound the way I want to sound and it was tremendously helpful and I think if I hadn't done that this record probably it, it wouldn't sound as sure, good as i yeah. wanted it to and yeah and i just probably maybe it wouldn't have seen the light of day who knows you know what i mean yeah because the other thing about because i also did like a, a year of vocal lessons i needed it probably more than anybody in the world but th- what it also teaches you it it really does impact your own songwriting because of what you're more capable of executing, you know, and what you're more confident in singing. And then you start to realize, oh, I don't need to sing words. I just need to sing vowel sounds, you know, and consonants I can just kind of forget about, right? Um, And speaking of vocals, what's the reasoning behind uh, we recorded some of them in a studio and then some of them not in a studio was that an even was that like an extra set of ears to make sure you weren't like singing out of key or something um more like that and also just from our uh, engineering standpoint so um i had recorded with my friend gab who's also um the drummer in my other band who will be playing synthesizers right. uh, for me live um, but anyway, and he's got, you know, some great equipment on him. And, you know, I started out um, wanting to do this project fully DIY just because that's how I work. But when it came yeah. to the vocals, I just I wasn't loving like the sounds of like whether it was my mic or the oh, room. So, you know, I hit him up and I said, hey, 
Um, it's the worst. You know, can you help me out here? Oh my yeah. god, it is the worst. Every DIY bedroom musician knows that vocals and vocal sound is the absolute worst. It's so difficult. It's so difficult. It gets to a point where even when it's when it when it sounds good, you're like, I must have done something wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The EQ must not be right. Is <laughs> yeah so i went i went to him and Uh he he really he really helped me out and even like um just in general it's like first of all it's good to like be with someone who you know is one of my closest friends to already have that comfort but Mm. he was also good with certain certain suggestions too like i'm usually i'm usually the type of person to like um again i kind of want to do this on my own for a reason because it's my vision but i also really trusted in him to be like hey can I make a suggestion? I was like, yes, please. Like, tell me mm-hmm. what should I be doing here? So he helped me out in that aspects. Like, um, one being otherworldly glow, uh, one song on my album, like there weren't any harmonies in mind for that in the course. And he was like, we should arrange harmonies. And that like took it to a whole new level. So just things oh, like wow. that, that really kept me from going crazy at the end of it. Also, I really, really do want to give him props for helping me out on that. Yeah, because you also have something in your liner notes here that I really love. And I also really love that you have such such descriptive liner notes. It really also helps me out. Sometimes I get people on here and they don't have anything written about their music. And I'm like, all right, well, (laughs) I don't really know what to ask you about. But I just love when you put um, part of your part of the creation process was learning that the DIY mindset doesn't have to mean, quote, never asking for help. And I just think that that is such a pivotal thing that people need to know. Like, of course, the online YouTube Academy is great. We all we are all scholars of YouTube, but. When someone really knows what they're doing, especially with audio engineering, again, never let those people go and out of your life, like really, because I, uh, I have a couple that I really regret that I, st- <laughs> that I don't talk to. Um, but with that being said, um, how do you know, and maybe this is even a question for future Jess, how how do you know when to let go of control a little bit? When to heed to what some other people say? Um, I think I've been learning that more and more each project. Right. Um, yeah, like I think for my first two, even though it probably would have been fine. Like I, I probably would have been fine at the time asking. I That was mostly me just being like, okay, well, what can I do myself? Like, let's see how far yes. I can take this. <laughs> I can um, do that. With, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but with this one, it was like, because I, I was like, okay, well, I've already reached out for vocal lessons, something that's like extraneous, mm. but still like all very much a part of this. Um, you know, it shouldn't hurt me to want to reach out to my friend to say, hey, I'm getting frustrated with the way that these vocals are turning out in my bedroom. Uh, can I yeah. ask you to, you know, maybe have me over for a few days and figure this out. Um, That's and very I think smart, by the way, That's very, very smart to have that awareness, honestly, because I didn't do that. And I drove myself fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think the other thing too, is just knowing how to kind of separate it from my own process. Like for me, um, the reason why I love like working alone so much, like, is just, I know like, okay, this is what I want to do about tackling this aspect or what have you. Um, 
But once it's in a spot where I'm like, okay, I know what I'm seeing. Maybe I can take it further, but I don't mm-hmm. quite know where I am. I think that's from like, you know what? Maybe I should ask for a second opinion from someone. Wow. Great. I mean, you started you started being in a band at 13, so I guess I shouldn't be so surprised that you're so ahead of the game here. But um, let's get into another tune here. Uh, this is a really cool tune. This was the first tune that... Um, when I listened to this for the first time, it was like when I woke up the next morning, there was still something about it that was like in my brain. And I don't know if you did that on purpose, but, um, this is the fourth tune on the record. It's called red room. Check it out.
All right, so that tune was called Red Room. And now let's just get let's just get down to the nitty-gritty. What was the writing process for that song specifically? Oh man, so this song was like <laughs> probably had the most complicated story of I, all the I, songs. The I could imagine. I could imagine. <laughs> so yeah, okay, so let me let me try to shorten it. So basically how that started was um in terms of inspiration, really came from this kind of weird anxiety attack that I was having this one night, um, which was kind wow. of induced by um, uh, sensory deprivation, excuse me, sensory deprivation, mm-hmm. that was a, a full of marbles, which isn't something that happens to me really at all. It was just a weird experience that I had. Um, mm. What, what does that mean of, exactly? So basically, I kind of did this one to myself, to put it one way. Okay. I was like, literally lying down like in a dark room with like red lighting and and just like listening to music but like nothing else Uh and i don't know why i thought that would be like a good experience for me but it clearly wasn't oh wow um so that's like kind of how it started and it was Uh one of those things where it was like i knew i could pull myself out of it at any point um but i just kind of needed to like bring myself there and baby steps like i was fine after the fact it was just like god like once i finally like got out i was like god what a weird experience but during wow. it, I was just kind of like writing, writing things down to like get my mind out of it. And it was mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm, I'm in the red room. I'm blah, blah, like just brain dumping. Stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, Stream so of consciousness. Got out of, yeah. yeah. So I got out of it and then I was like, okay, well I have all this shit here. I might as well make a song <laughs> out of it. Um, so with that one, uh, like most of my songs, I was like, okay, well, instrumentation comes pretty easily to me. So maybe I'll try to like come up with something cool. for that, but it just, it was hard for the first time for me to actually translate what I was feeling into like what sounded musically relevant to it. Like that went through right. that song must have gone through like four different demos or something before wow. I settled on what it was now. And they were all totally different. It wasn't until one day where um, I, I let the song sit for a while. Um, but wow. I, one day I was just noodling around on my bass, just mm-hmm. doing whatever. And I came up with the main bass line. I was like, Oh, that sounds kind of fun. And then I just went to record it, put it into Logic, and then I was like, let me let me mm-hmm. just play around with like drum loops or something. And I found this like old hip hop drum sample, and I was like, oh, like that that's kind of co- that's kind of cool. Like I really like that. And then that's when it hit me in the moment. I was like, it's this kind of juxtaposition between like this really kind of sinister bass line and yeah. these hip hop drums. And I was like, I wonder what else I could add to this mix that's maybe a bit different um mm-hmm. but still like works with it and then i was like oh and like the most recent demo i had for the song red room i had like these kind of shoegazy dream pop really chorus and flange guitars and i was yeah. like let me add this and see what happens and that's when i was like oh my god this is the song this is red room yeah um so then lyrically speaking i was like okay well i have all this crap that i just you know wrote down stream of consciousness uh let me try to you know get out of this jumble and put into words and that actually for some reason took me a really long time mm-hmm. even though that was like my own words my own feelings and it took so long roger where literally <laughs> i think the last lines that had to be filled in were filled in like the night before i recorded vocals for it <laughs> yeah sometimes that's that's what has to happen you know i mean mm-hmm. i know i i remember uh this is like I don't know why it made me think of this, but I, I remember watching in some kind of interview with Billy Joe, the singer of Green Day, and he said he went into the studio with this one album called Nimrod, 
And I think that mm-hmm. that album was like 20 songs, maybe something like that. And he said he That's had no one. lyrics. Yeah. He said he had almost no lyrics. And he was like, I'll never do that again. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know what? And and honestly, out of all the Green Day stuff that I've like heard and and grown up with like i feel like that record lyrically is probably the best one i i think Mm -hmm. the and and it's the like one of the most time timeless ones because a lot of the tunes on that are just like totally relevant to any time or place or whatever but yeah it's just one of those things where something really great can come out of just a deadline. <laughs> exactly. Like, word. even though it, it took so long, but we made it and that's, that's what matters. And it, it captured in the end, the vision that I was looking for, the thing that I couldn't for, you know, put into music, put into words, which like I said, usually I find one way or the other to make it work very quickly, but sure. Um, sometimes you just need to let things sit and marinate for a while until, um, oh, yeah. until you get there. Yeah. Um, so was that song, was that the most fun you had writing or which song was the most fun that you had mm, writing or, or recording or recording? Ooh. I think the one that was the most fun to record uh-huh. was probably Otherworldly Glow because kind of like that yeah. story I'd mentioned earlier about how um, Gab was like, oh, you should um, put some harmonies into there. When we did it and it just it all fell into place and the both of us we were just like oh my god yeah this sounds so cool like just there was so much excitement happening in his basement studio between the two of us for that song Mm. um where and that was i think it was either the last or second last song that we'd recorded too so it was like really just kind of a symbolic in a way of like it's finally done it's finally where it needs to be you know um so i'd say probably that one like i really honestly enjoyed all of them like of course there were i think the one song that gave me the most frustrations was rain um Uh, just because vocally i it just wasn't doing what i wanted to do until finally um gab was like let's try a totally different mic and i just like something awakened in me where i gave like the exact performance i was looking to do and i was like okay we're good so i don't need to you know question if i want to scrap this one in the end or something like that yeah wow sometimes yeah sometimes it is like i don't know we just need to put a new mic in or pick up a different guitar or something like that like something weird that'll just shift us out of whatever funk it is um switching gears i wanted to talk a little bit about uh what your other projects are what this other band is that you keep mentioning what what's what's the deal with the with the other band so the other band were called kings of our kin okay um and we do like yeah kind of indie poppy rocks uh so to speak um i play Mm -hmm. bass in that um and gab who i keep mentioning he drums in that um we've been so technically the band's been together since 2015, I want to say, but it was just um, the three guys for the longest time and then got back together in 2017 and they had asked me to join on as a fourth member to be a bassist. And it's just been the most fun, honestly, yeah. that I can say um, that I've been having just to still, you know, be in that same band was like five or six years later. Shit. Um, yeah. And we've been, you know, playing, playing around Toronto the Toronto scene for a few years now and just really making our way up, making our way through it, meeting a 
kinds of fun people. Um, it's just, it's been a blast. And even though we're all kind of at a distance right now, we've just found so many ways to make it work, whether now or like over the pandemic or. Sure, sure. Um, and I think that's something that I feel is really special that we've been able to make it work that way. But also the fact that we are still a band, you know, that didn't break up during the pandemic or that so many bands that we know where, you know, they'll, they'll come up and then, yeah, you know, after yeah. two years of being together, they're, they're gone yeah. because of, you know, maybe creative differences or someone didn't like so-and-so. Just but, life. Um, yeah, <laughs> just, just life just shit. Life. Like, I gotta move. Just, I gotta, yeah. Yeah, but life hasn't stopped us and I think that's really special. Yeah. Um, and I just, I yeah, could not be happier to still be playing with those guys. Yeah, it's so, so wild how uh, you and I have such similar uh, music situations right now because that's pretty much the situation with me too is I, st- I picked up a bass to start with and I just wanted to get on stage and I just wanted to play in a band and then I, I, I'm still in that band, that high school band that I still play bass with, but then I wanted to write my own music and then totally switch gears, had to learn how to, how to deal with logic, had to learn how to find a drummer, had to, le- or had to learn how to drum program on logic, had to learn how to engineer, had to learn how to mix, had to learn how to master just because it was so hard to find uh, other people to work with and stuff like that. Um, so that's just really cool that you have like an all encompassing situation, um, with all of that in your situation, I want to know who, who is it that, do you have any type of person that you kind of look up to as to being like in a similar situation as them, or are you just kind of seeing, seeing where you end up? I think just seeing where I end up, um, like, because really what I like, just speaking, uh, specifically to, you know, my own solo work and what I'm doing with the band, like, I really do feel that I'm like equally committed to both. Um, like I think, you know, it's tale as old as time, you know, someone starts a solo project and next thing you know, they're fucking off and not really caring about the band, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's never been my outlook for that. It's never been like, you know, the means to an end of, you know, quote unquote, making it. It's just me wanting to say, or not even wanting to say, sorry, but wanting to just do what feels fun for me. Like I love what I do in, in Kings of Arcane. I love my role in that. I'm content to be the bassist in that. But for the things where I'm like, I do want to put my, my own thoughts and feelings into songs and maybe sing them and play guitar that goes into my solo project. But one isn't a hindrance to the other. If anything, they both help me flourish yeah. And so I think having those multiple outlets for me, um, like that's what helps me feel just the most at peace with what I'm doing with music and just having it continue to be fun for me. Wow. Um, so to kind of just get back to your question, I don't, I can't think off the top of my head sure. who else might be in a similar situation, but yeah. I can definitely say like the outlook that I've had this whole time is not to be like, um, you know, don't, don't just do music for the sake of like, you know, this one end goal that might be, that's just superficial at the end of the day, like do these projects because one, you feel like you can commit to them because you feel like you're going to have fun with them. And that's the way that I always try to, to look at it ever I do. Yeah. I mean that, that's also the one thing that I think is, is going to separate the people that quit from the people that don't Um, especially when it becomes to music, let alone like all kinds of art 
is those that are able to navigate through whatever society has set up and find their own source of fulfillment from their art and their creative side. Because a lot of what is in place in the world, in America, and probably in Canada too, is like designed to like exploit artists. And it's kind of like, it's all like short-term stuff. It's not really like long-term you know, and then there's like all these artists that die young and all these, you know, all the crazy situations that artists get themselves into from being misguided or from having this, you know, lapse in fulfillment. So I really think uh, if you're out there and you're a DIY artist, I really hope you're listening to what Jess has to say here because it's a lot of what's going to help us stay committed to what it is that we want to do and and what keeps us being human <laughs> and what keeps us doing uh, what we want to do and being who we want to be in like the highest versions of ourselves. Um, so Jess, I want to just thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you Toronto folks out there, May 11th at the painted lady, not the half painted lady. She's fully painted. <laughs> and, uh, and once again, uh, Jess Rovita.bandcamp.com Bandcamp Friday is this Friday. So get it all out there. And, and you can also pick up a cool little CD for all you CD folks out there. I've graduated. I've, re- <laughs> I've gone back to tapes. I'm a, I'm a tape guy now. Um, Tapes might be next. Yeah, that'd be rad. I would definitely pick up a tape for my 2002 Volkswagen. Um, but yeah, this last tune is uh, the seventh tune on the record, and this was one where I was just like, "Oh fuck yeah, we're getting, we're showing some teeth a little bit," and I really dig it. <laughs> and this last tune is called "Ghost." Rip on, everybody. Mm-hmm. 